Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining Dropbox's second quarter 2022 earnings conference call. All participants will be in listen-only mode. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1-1 on your telephone. As a reminder, this conference call is being recorded and will be available for replay from the Investor Relations section of Dropbox's website following this call. I will now turn it over to Karen Kapoor, Head of Investor Relations for Dropbox. Mr. Kapoor, please go ahead. Thank you. Good afternoon, and welcome to Dropbox's second quarter 2022 earnings call. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you that our remarks today will include forward-looking statements, such as our financial guidance and expectations, including our long-term objectives and forecasts for our third quarter and fiscal year 2022, and our expectations regarding our revenue growth, profitability, operating margin, and free cash flow, as well as our expectations regarding our business, assets, products, strategies, technology, employees, users, demand, and markets. These statements are subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially. They are also based on assumptions as of today, and we undertake no obligation to update them as a result of new information or future events. Factors and risks that could cause our actual results to differ materially from these forward-looking statements are set forth in today's earnings release and in our quarterly report on Form 10-Q filed with the SEC. We'll also discuss non-GAAP financial measures, which are not prepared in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles. A reconciliation of GAAP and non-GAAP results is provided in our earnings release and on our website at investors.dropbox.com. I would now like to turn the call over to Dropbox's co-founder and chief executive officer, Drew Houston. Drew? Thanks, Karen, and good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to our Q2 2022 earnings call. Joining me today is Tim Regan, our chief financial officer, and I'll first share our business and product highlights from the quarter, and then Tim will review our Q2 financial results, provide guidance for the third quarter, and update our outlook for the remainder of the year. I'm really pleased with the resilience of our business and our execution in Q2, especially against the challenging macroeconomic backdrop. We saw continued growth in our professional and teams plans and strong performance in our managed sales business. We also saw increased adoption of some of our newer products, Dropbox Backup and Capture. And we announced a pricing and packaging update for standard and advanced plans in June, delivering more value to our team's customers around security and data protection. Lastly, We continue to deliver profitability through operational efficiencies across the business, which Tim will discuss shortly. While we're certainly keeping an eye on the macro environment, we remain confident in our strategy that we outlined at the beginning of the year. First, we're continuing to evolve our core FSS business by improving retention and monetization to stabilize growth. Second, we're driving more adoption of workflows beyond FSS around video and documents to better serve distributed teams, small businesses, solopreneurs, and creators. Finally, we're maintaining operational excellence by continuing to balance growth and profitability. And with a healthier and more stable foundation in our core business, we're laying the groundwork to achieve our vision of being a solution that organizes all your cloud content and the workflows around it. I'll start with how we're evolving our core business. Consistent with last quarter, we once again saw our overall churn rate fall year over year. This was a result of ongoing improvements to the core FSS user experience, particularly
particularly on mobile. For example, we enhanced the mobile uploads experience for our users, driving significantly faster speeds on our iOS app, which led to nearly double the percentage of active users on the app who upload content compared to a quarter ago. We also improved the performance and design of the Photos tab in the mobile app, which increased the overall number of photos previewed on our mobile, uh, mobile experience by over 10% since the start of the year. This builds on the work we talked about last quarter around driving faster performance with previews on the web. These pages are some of the most traffic surfaces for our users, and these ongoing enhancements are saving them time and allowing them to do more with their content, especially their photos and videos. In addition to UX improvements, we're seeing increased adoption of multiple Dropbox features among our paid users. And we're discovering that customers that leverage multiple capabilities retain at higher rates than those who do not. For example, there are millions of paid individual users using Dropbox Backup, and these users retain at higher rates than those who haven't turned on backup. Similarly, we're seeing early signals that customers who use Dropbox passwords retain at higher levels than those who don't. Given this, in Q2, we rolled out passwords to Teams users as part of our update to our standard and advanced plans and are already seeing strong early adoption. I'll discuss how this updates aligns with our pricing and packaging strategy in a moment, but I'm pleased to see how we're monetizing multi-product adoption in the form of higher retention. Outside of our self-serve business, we also saw strong renewal activity among some of our larger strategic customers due to a new account management structure that we implemented last year. I'm really encouraged to see that, despite the uncertain macro environment, our account reps were able to drive healthy renewal activity earlier in the quarter. Building on our strong retention wins, we also made progress driving monetization through upsell, cross-sell, and conversion. In our managed sales business, we saw a healthy number of renewal customers purchase products like our data governance add-on, and in multiple cases, customers purchased a combination of Dropbox, HelloSign, and DocSend. This improved cross-sell motion is the result of optimizing our sales force to sell the broader suite of Dropbox products. Similarly, we made progress with cross-sell activity in our core FSS business. Earlier this year, we released our first self-serve add-on called Extended Version History, which allows Plus users to extend deleted file recovery and version history from 30 days to a year. Early adoption has been encouraging and we're experimenting with other add-ons where we can seamlessly offer additional premium capabilities to our self-serve users. These efficient revenue opportunities require low incremental costs, and I'm excited to see us expand on our early progress here. We also continue to see an opportunity to improve top-of-funnel activity through targeted marketing and mobile. Mobile represents an important channel for acquiring and converting new basic users, and in Q2, we increased our conversion rate through more targeted mobile prompts. We also saw an increase in mobile trials driven by higher adoption of Pro on mobile due to enhancements made to the mobile landing page. Another important piece of our monetization strategy is around pricing and packaging changes. In June, we rolled out a number of highly requested security and data protection features for our standard and advanced Teams users. One of the enhancements we made to these plans was the inclusion of Dropbox passwords, which saw strong early activation in its first month. Passwords for Teams provides admins consolidated dashboards to alert them whether passwords are weak, reused, or breached. We also enabled admins to receive reporting and monitoring capabilities to see how files and folders are being shared outside of their teams with the ability to revoke access where needed. 
In addition, following our successful rollout last quarter of backup and external drive backup as a standalone SKU and feature for paid individual plans, we introduced this offering to teams and saw strong early adoption. And for advanced teams, our premium offering, we launched new ransomware detection and recovery. This capability relies on machine learning to monitor for behavior attacks and offers protection against new strains of ransomware. By bundling a number of highly requested new capabilities into our team's plans, we updated our pricing to reflect the added value. Tim will discuss this more, but I'm really pleased with the early response and our ability to monetize important new products through our existing paid plans. Through our focus on security and data protection, we're confident that we're providing value that customers find essential. Moving to our second objective of driving adoption of workflows beyond FSS, specifically around documents with Doxin and HelloSign, and video with Capture and Replay. Doxin, which is now in its second year as part of Dropbox, has accelerated its growth since we acquired it. While we're seeing some pockets of softness in areas like venture capital fundraising, we continue to see opportunities for strong organic growth along with greater revenue synergies. We're investing further in DocSense capabilities as well as marketing to expand into new verticals. In Q2, we added the ability to view images in the DocSense viewer instead of having to download content out of the browser, creating a stickier experience, which resulted in a significant increase in image file uploads. In Q3, we plan to offer additional capabilities for video, enabling more use cases and expanding the audience of potential DocSend users. And integrating the DocSend experience into Dropbox continues to track well. Last month, we launched Save to Dropbox, which allows users with both a Dropbox and a DocSend account to save final documents from DocSend into Dropbox in one click. Ellisign continues to show solid growth, despite moderating following the pandemic surge, consistent with the broader e-signature space. We saw a greater mix shift towards higher price plans as well as healthy upsell of the, of the HelloSign API. This is an opportunity to continue to differentiate HelloSign as we've enhanced our offering to improve a developer's ability to explore and build with our API. And last month, we announced an integration with HubSpot, which allows sales teams to automate critical agreements processes in one unified workflow. Initial feedback from the integration is encouraging, and I'm looking forward to driving more awareness through joint marketing campaigns this quarter. We're excited about the continued momentum of these businesses, especially through deeper integrations within Dropbox, increasing revenue synergies, and offering our users a more cohesive experience. Finally, I'll cover our product experiences around video, Capture and Replay, which saw strong adoption in Q2. Capture, our all-in-one visual communication tool that helps teams share their work and ideas asynchronously, once again saw active users increase significantly versus last quarter with customer satisfaction scores also improving. We removed the five-minute limit for capture videos, which was the top request among our beta users, differentiating capture from the competition. We see an opportunity to drive capture's adoption to a wider audience of Dropbox users and continue to evaluate the best pricing and packaging approach for it. Replay has already become an essential tool for the creator audience due to its ease of use, performance, and convenience as part of the Dropbox product suite. Beta user retention is strong, and we see an opportunity to drive product awareness further to grow its user base. We're leaning into these organic bets as we've seen an increase in the percentage of our weekly and monthly active users that engage with video, including uploading, sharing, and viewing. As
As this mix continues to rise, we see significant potential in creating larger flywheels around video workflows. I'm excited for the potential for capture and replay to reach more creators and distributed teams. And as we expand on workflows around content types, we're also focused on evolving from syncing files and folders to organizing all of your cloud content. Universal search is a key part of this roadmap, which is why I'm excited about our recent acquisition of Command-D. I look forward to sharing more about our progress here in the coming quarters. In closing, it was a solid quarter with increased multi-product adoption, retention wins, updated pricing and packaging for teams, and strong performance in our managed sales business. The core Dropbox FSS experience continues to improve with faster performance and enhanced security. The changes we continue to make strengthen our platform's foundation, and our disciplined approach allows us to be opportunistic with our growth bets. We believe we're operating from a position of strength given our healthy financial profile and our strong balance sheet and the work we've done over the last several years to build even more resilience into our business. And we remain focused on our customers, especially during this challenging macroeconomic environment solving for what they need to do their most important work faster and more easily. And with that, I'll hand it over to Tim to walk through our financial results. Thank you, Drew. Before turning to our quarterly results, I'd like to start with a reminder of our financial strategy. We continue to focus on balancing growth and profitability in a thoughtful, disciplined way. We remain committed to our long-term objectives, including delivering operating margins of 30 to 32 percent and generating annual free cash flow of $1 billion by 2024. We also remain focused on allocating capital to growth initiatives, both organic as well as through acquisitions, while also returning a significant portion of our free cash flow to shareholders in the form of share repurchases. We believe that execution against these objectives will generate long-term value for our shareholders. Today, I'll talk through our performance for the quarter and our updated guidance for the year, each of which demonstrates that we continue to operate the business in line with these principles. Let's begin with our second quarter results. Total revenue for the quarter increased 7.9% year-over-year to $573 million, beating our guidance range of $568 to $571 million. Foreign exchange rates provided an approximate $5 million headwind to growth, above our previous guidance range of a $3 million headwind. On a constant currency basis, year-over-year -year growth was 8.8%. Total ARR for the quarter grew 7.7% year-over-year for a total of $2.333 billion. On a constant currency basis, ARR grew by $44 million sequentially and 8.3% year-over-year. We continue to drive growth in ARR through strength in our teams and professional plans, with retention improving year-over-year, -year, driven by mobile enhancements and stronger renewals by our account management team, as well as healthy cross-sell activity. Velocine and Doxin also continue to show solid ARR growth. We exited the quarter with 17 3.37 million paying users and added approximately 280,000 net new paying users in the second quarter. Average revenue per paying user was $133.34 in Q2. ARPU decreased by $1.29 compared to Q1 
primarily due to FX rate headwinds and continued strength from family plans which, as a reminder, is comprised of six seats and therefore carries a lower ARPU profile. Before we continue with further discussion of our P&L, I would like to note that unless otherwise indicated, all income statement figures mentioned are non-GAAP and exclude stock-based compensation, amortization of purchase intangibles, certain acquisition-related expenses, impairments of our real estate assets, and net gains on equity investments. Our non-GAAP net income also includes the income tax effect of the aforementioned adjustments. I'll now provide a brief update on our real estate strategy, where we are taking steps to de-cost our real estate portfolio as, we t as part of our transition to our virtual first model. In the second quarter, we continue to make progress against our goals, executing subleases in San Francisco as well as Seattle. As a result, we have now executed all of our planned subleases outside of San Francisco. While we continue to estimate that our total impairment charges will be up to $450 million, lower than expected subleasing in San Francisco resulted in an additional $9 million in impairment charges in Q2, bringing our cumulative impairment to $438 million. With that, let's continue with the P&L. Gross margin was 83% for the quarter, representing an increase of nearly two percentage points on a year-over-year -year basis. The improvement in our gross margin was primarily driven by ongoing efficiencies in our data center infrastructure, as well as slower-than-expected onboarding of outsourced customer support. Second quarter R&D expense was $155 million, or 27% of revenue which increased compared to 25% of revenue in the second quarter of 2021. The increase in R&D was primarily driven by an increase in headcount to replace the elevated levels of attrition we saw last year, and as we continue to invest in growth and other key initiatives. Second quarter sales and marketing expense was $96 million, or 17% of revenue, which remained flat as a percentage of revenue compared to the second quarter of 2021. Sales and marketing expense increased on a sequential basis, driven by a shift of some marketing campaigns from Q1 to Q2. Second quarter G&A expense was $41 million, or 7% of revenue, which decreased compared to 8% of revenue in the second quarter of 2021. In total, we earned an operating profit of $183 million in the second quarter, which represents an operating margin of 32%, which is flat compared to the second quarter of 2021. Our Q2 operating margin exceeded guidance by over three points, driven by stronger-than-expected gross margin, efficiencies stemming from hiring in lower-cost locations, lower-than-expected T&E costs, as well as the timing of spend shifting from Q2 to future quarters. Net income for the second quarter was $138 million, which is a 14% decrease versus the second quarter of 2021. Diluted EPS was $0.38 cents per share, based on 366 million diluted weighted average shares outstanding, down from $0.40 cents per share, based on 397 million diluted weighted average shares outstanding for the second quarter of 2021. 
Our net income and EPS declined year-over-year as our income tax expense increased significantly year-over-year through the impact of new R&D tax legislation and given that we have now fully utilized our NOLs for non-GAAP tax purposes. Moving on to our cash balance and cash flow. We ended the quarter with cash and short-term investments of $1.4 billion. Cash flow from operations was $210 million in the second quarter. Capital expenditures were $4 million during the quarter. This resulted in quarterly free cash flow of $206 million compared to $216 million in Q2 of 2021. In the second quarter, we added $14 million to our finance leases for data center equipment. Let's turn to our share repurchase activity. In Q2, we repurchased 8.9 million shares, spending approximately $190 million. During Q2, we exhausted our previous $1 billion share repurchase authorization from 2021 and began executing against our new $1.2 billion authorization that was approved in Q1 of this year. As of the end of the second quarter, approximately $1.1 billion remains under the current authorization. I'd now like to share our guidance for the third quarter and provide an update to our full year 2022 guidance. I will also provide some context on the thinking behind this guidance. For the third quarter of 2022, we expect revenue to be in the range of 584 to $587 million. We are assuming a currency headwind of approximately $13 million in the third quarter. Thus, on a constant currency basis, we expect Q3's year-over-year revenue growth to be roughly consistent with that of Q2. We expect non-GAAP operating margin to be approximately 29%. The expected sequential decline from Q2 operating margin is primarily driven by the continued progress on our planned hiring strategy in 2022 towards growth initiatives, increased levels of T&E and project spend in Q3, as well as an incremental FX headwind. Q2 operating expenses also benefited from the one-time release of certain non-income tax reserves in the quarter. Finally, we expect diluted weighted average shares outstanding to be in the range of 360 to 365 million shares based on our trailing 30-day average share price. For the full year 2022, due to the significant strengthening of the U.S. dollar since our last update, we are revising our as-reported revenue guidance range down by $12 million to 2308 to $2.318 billion from our previous guidance range of $2.320 to $2.330 billion. However, on a constant currency basis, we are revising our guidance range up by $8 million to $2.342 to $2.352 billion up from the prior range of $2.334 to $2.344 billion. We now estimate a full year 2022 currency headwind of approximately $34 million 
as compared to our prior forecast of $14 million. We now expect gross margin to be approximately 81.5%, up from our prior forecast of 81% due to ongoing infrastructure efficiencies. We are also raising our operating margin guidance to approximately 30%, up from our prior guidance of between 29 to 29.5%. This operating margin guidance is inclusive of an approximately one-point headwind from FX, as compared to a prior estimate of approximately a half point. We are maintaining our free cash flow guidance to be in the range of 760 to $790 million. This includes $17 million in cash outflows for the 2022 installments of the acquisition-related deal consideration holdbacks. Additionally, our free cash flow guidance is inclusive of an estimated $25 billion headwind resulting from the impact of R&D tax legislation newly effective in 2022. We continue to expect capital expenditures for 2022 to be in the range of 25 to $35 million. We continue to expect additions to our finance lease lines to be approximately 5% of revenue in 2022. Finally, we expect 2022 diluted at shares outstanding to be in the range of 364 to 369 million shares, down from our previous guidance range of 366 to 371 million shares. This reduction in our share count reflects our commitment to and anticipated impact of our share repurchase program. To share some additional context on this guidance, for revenue, for 2022, we are raising our constant currency revenue guidance range up by $8 million. As a reminder, our guidance continues to include the impact of discontinuing new sales along with financial sanctions in Russia, resulting in a, in a headwind in the mid to high single digit millions of dollars to revenue this year. Additionally, this guidance also reflects updates to our pricing and packaging up, approach for our team's plans that we announced in June. As Drew discussed, we recently updated our standard and advanced teams plans, bundling a number of new capabilities around security and data protection. These plan prices were raised by 20%. New customers began purchasing the higher priced plans starting in June, and existing customers began renewing at the higher price point starting in July. As a reminder, we will see the benefit of the pricing change flow to ARR as customers' billing cycles occur, with monthly customers flowing through in the first month of the change. And given our radical revenue recognition model, the revenue impact will flow to both 2022 and 2023. The subset of our user base that is subject to the price increase comprises approximately one-third of our total ARR. We are seeing positive early signals on this pricing and packaging change thus far. Given this positive customer reception, as well as continued year-over-year improvements in retention, we are raising our constant currency revenue guidance range. As related to gross margin, while we achieved a gross margin level above the high end of our long-term target range in Q2, we continue to expect to invest in customer support 
which will ultimately result in gross margin reverting within the parameters of our long-term guidance range in the coming quarters. As related to operating margin, while we are experiencing incremental FX headwinds, T&E, and office reopening expenses as pandemic restrictions soften, we are raising our 2022 operating margin guidance as we continue to have success with our ability to hire top talent outside of traditional high-cost tech hubs such as San Francisco, New York, and Seattle. As related to full-year free cash flow, we are maintaining our 2022 free cash flow guidance. We are maintaining the range that we introduced at the beginning of the year as a result of the significant strengthening of the U.S. dollar, which is now more than a $30 million headwind to our initial free cash flow guidance. I note that FX has a more immediate impact on billings and hence cash flow as compared to revenue, given our ratable revenue recognition model. Thus, a larger cash impact will be absorbed this year, offsetting the benefits of our increased operating margins. Lastly, we remain committed to achieving our long-term targets of delivering operating margins of 30 to 32% and $1 billion of annual free cash flow by 2024. In conclusion, we continue to execute well against our initiative, demonstrating stability and focus on our customers while driving continued operational efficiencies. This stabilization and discipline allows us to operate from a position of strength during an unpredictable macro environment as we continue to execute towards our long-term objectives. With that, I'll now turn it over to the operator for Q&A. Thank you. As a reminder to ask a question, please press star 1 1 on your telephone to ask a question. Once again, that's star 1 1 to ask a question. Our first question comes from the line of Richard Poland of RBC Capital Markets. Richard Poland, please go ahead. Hey, thanks. This is Philip Rigby on for Richard Poland. Appreciate you taking the question. I uh, want to start in on the team spent pricing update. So it looks like about a 20% price increase, and I'm not mistaken, this is the first one since 2017, so it seems incredibly reasonable to me. But you, you talked about receiving some early positive signals on the pricing change. Um, maybe talk about any potential impacts you're maybe assuming on terms of monetization or, or renewals on this, and, and then can you give us a sense of the linearity over the next 12 months of moving the subscribers to the new pricing? Thanks. Yeah, sure. So this is Tim. I'll, I'll take that one. So we did raise prices for these plans by 20%. This is our standard and advanced team plans, which we have not changed these prices since 2017. So you're exactly right. Uh, again, for new customers, these began to have the higher price plan starting in June, and for existing customers, they began renewing at the higher price point starting in July. Uh, the subset of our user base that this is subject to uh, in, comprises about one-third of our total ARR. And as a reminder, we will see the benefit of the pricing change flow to ARR as customer billing cycles occur, with monthly customers flowing through in the first month of the change. And then given our ratable revenue recognition model, the revenue impact will flow through to both 2022 and 2023. 
And so maybe one other point uh, along those lines, just to give you a sense of the timing, is that our annual customers tend to represent about two-thirds of our customer user base, uh, whereas our, our monthly customers about obviously one-third, where the, the monthly customers will be subject to the change largely in the third quarter. So therefore, we expect most of the impact to flow through in the third quarter. Got it. That's, that's very helpful. Um, and, and then, Drew, you mentioned um, the softness that we're seeing in, in the VC market. I, I noticed you also released uh, Dropbox for Startups recently. Uh, seems like a great pair. Maybe talk about your expectations for uh, some of your VC customers. And I, I don't know if you've quantified it, but may give us a sense on your exposure to uh, VC-backed startups. Sure. Um, so that's certainly a popular use case um, for DocSend, or they got some early traction with founders and investors um, in startups. And so as some of that activity has cooled off, we've seen some of that reflected on DocSend. Um, that said, there's a lot more use cases for DocSend beyond fundraising. Um, pretty much it. There, there are lots of uh, roles in a company that involve deals or closing deals or sharing um content externally and, and needing to have rich analytics and security options. So um, just to be clear, there's a lot, there's a lot more uh, customers beyond the venture capital and um, and founder ecosystem. Um, so you think about sales and marketing and many other functions that um, need to share richly. Um, so we think there's uh, – so we continue to be excited about DocSend, and there are a lot of other adjacencies and, and, and target customers there. Um, and um, let's see. And then I think the the other part of the the question was, um, oh, Dropbox for startups. Well, I think I think more broadly, um, we're finding that there are a lot of freelancers and creators and solopreneurs who adopt Dropbox, um, and a lot of those folks have pretty common needs. So you think about they need Dropbox for their core storage. Uh, all companies need e-signature with with HelloSign, um, and then if, certainly if you're fundraising. Uh, DocSend's a great fit for that too, and then we see a number, a number of other uh, opportunities in our portfolio um, to kind of give uh, professionals and solopreneurs or people starting something uh, more of a bundle. So, uh, still early innings on that, but that's that's an opportunity area we see growing. Great, thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Jason Ader of William Blair. Jason Ader, please go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, maybe, Drew, talk about any other impact you've seen from the macro environment. You talked about the, the fundraising space, but any other regions, verticals, anything that you saw in terms of just the metrics in the business that would suggest that we're in a uh, weaker economic environment? Sure. Um, overall, things have been pretty stable. And, um, I mean, we're not immune to the macro environment. Obviously, you know, you heard a lot about it. We're, we're affected by things like FX, given our international mix, like most companies. Um, we've been in, impacted by the Russia-Ukraine situation, uh, kind of high single-digit millions in revenue, um, and so on. And, and, like, while we talked about there's softness in fundraising, I, that's not really material to the Dropbox business overall. So just, you know, to quantify things, um, it is a signal, but I wouldn't say it's like a huge signal. Um, we find that 
Dropbox, when we talk to our customers, <laughs> they need a Dropbox, uh, or they need Dropbox in all macroeconomic environments. For a lot of our customers, it's really a mission critical thing, not optional. Um, you know, I think the pandemic was illustrative. People needed Dropbox before, during, and after the pandemic. Um, and so while we didn't necessarily see a huge run up in the Dropbox core business during COVID, we also didn't see a rundown. So all that is to say, um, things look pretty stable. Again, we're not immune to any the macroeconomic environment. And, you know, we're also mindful that, um, you know, we, uh, no one knows exactly what the future holds. So we're monitoring everything carefully as anything that's not good for our customers isn't good for our business. Um, but so far, um, uh, the early signals have been positive or, or stable. Okay, thank you. And then Tim, uh, can you talk about uh, ARPU dynamics right now and what you where you expect our our ARPU to trend over time? And you've got some price increases. You've got the family plan. There's just I know a bunch of moving parts here, but maybe just talk us through the puts and takes there. Yeah, sure. So uh, we did end Q2 with ARPU at $133.34. Uh, it did decline about $1.29 sequentially, where FX did play a big part in that. So FX was about $0.88 cent sequential headwind for us. And then, of course, greater adoption of our family plan, which, as you know, carries six licenses with each plan. Uh, as, as about uh, looking forward, we don't formally guide to ARPU. There are some factors that that do play a part. Clearly, the pricing change will play a part in that. We, we're not guiding, obviously, to, to ARPU, but as far as pricing, that will be a tailwind for us. But again, we will have these these headwinds from, from the family plan perspective as well as FX. Okay, great. And then one quick last one for for Drew. For Drew, uh, I think you guys, you know, you seem to be hitting a nice uh, rhythm around. Um, you know, kind of upsell and, and keeping people on the platform, reducing churn, adding new features to plans. Um, are, are there some specific things you're also doing around just monetization of the, of the free user base? Uh, maybe talk us through that. Sure. Uh, so certainly monetizing our, or better monetizing our free user base continues to be a priority for us, and, and we have a lot of ways of doing that. Um, so one is just having a broader product portfolio. So a few years ago, maybe we just had the Dropbox core product to offer, but now we have HelloSign and Docsend. Um, that portfolio will be growing with some of our newer bets like Capture and Replay and Shop and so on. And um, so we continue to iterate on the pricing and packaging in general, and we have also launched a number of other SKUs that get people into, onto the platform uh, or into a paid subscription at a lower price point. So our backup SKU is an example of that. So we found that um, uh, customers may or light kind of customers with lighter weight needs uh, need to back up a computer. Um, so we launched a cheaper SKU for that, um, and that provides an upgrade path into um, our more mainline plans. Um, so we there's still a ton of uh, headroom here, and then um, with both the growing in the portfolio and iterating on different kinds of bundles and suites. Um, and then after just getting people into some kind of paid plan, obviously there's a lot that we're doing to um, focus on particular customer segments. I, I talked about kind of creators and, and solopreneurs and so on before. Um, but we continue to be very focused on better monetizing free users, and we 
we've seen a lot of gains in our ability to to better monetize users in their first year uh, or, or that raising those curves of monetization in the first few years of being a basic user. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Joey Marincheck of GMP Securities. Joey Marincheck, your line is open. Hey, team. Thanks so much for the question. Uh, Drew, I know there's a lot of uncertainty out there, but I'm curious, where do you see the most opportunity for, for Dropbox in the near term? Um, so in the near term, we've had a lot of uh, success with, I mean, there's a lot of different levers for growth. And so we've talked a lot about um, pricing and packaging and and this flywheel that we have of of um, of adding value to our plans. And so this most recent example was, was our teams, our teams plans, standard and advanced plans. Um, we found that a lot of customers had new demands after COVID. And when you think about security, what security means um, or what kind of protecting your digital environment means. And uh, it has changed a lot when you're kind of in a distributed world or we're all working from home. Um, that brings a number of new challenges. So um, one kind of category of opportunity is thinking about the way that work has changed um, and then solving new problems for our customers as a result. And so with the, uh, going back to that Teams example, um, we found that the number of ransomware attacks has dramatically increased, uh, something like tripled or quadrupled in the last year. Um, small businesses are, are half to three quarters of the victims and half of small businesses um, don't have any resources for cybersecurity. So there's a natural adjacency for us. We're already protecting your files. Um, now we can add in ransomware protection. And then we also included our passwords, Dropbox passwords product in our team's plans. And so perfect example of how these kind of combine where we have both new value propositions for our customers, but then as we add these new features into our plans, um, create more customer value, then we can update our pricing and packaging or increase prices to better reflect the value that we're providing. Um, you know, more broadly, I think there's opportunities across our portfolio. I think we're participating in a lot of markets that are in their early innings. Um, an area that I'm really personally excited about uh, is the evolution of Dropbox um, from just syncing your files to organizing all your cloud content. So we bought a company called Command D last year. They do universal search. Um, and I think, you know, another example of these are kind of problems we all have, like what started out as 100 files on our desktop are now 100 tabs in our browsers. And as we manage all these cloud drives, cloud docs, um, it's kind of a mess. So um, we think that, there, I, mean, I believe that there's a lot of universal problems um, that we're addressing in, in a lot of the areas uh, we're in are in our Linux. So finding a really exciting time to build. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, one quick follow-up. You know, just given the pullback in valuations, how are you thinking about M&A at this time? How do you sort of weigh the decision between maybe a more transformative deal versus a tuck in? Any, any thoughts there? Thank you so much. Yeah, great question. I mean, something is certainly on our minds. Um, manage all these cloud drives, cloud docs. Um, it's kind of a mess. So um, we think that there, I, mean, I believe that there's a lot of universal problems um, that we're addressing in, in a lot of the areas uh, we're in are in our Linux. So finding a really exciting time to build. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, one quick follow-up. You know, just given the pullback in valuations, how are you thinking about M&A at this time? 
how do you sort of weigh the decision between maybe a more transformative deal versus the tech and any, any thoughts there? Thank you so much. Yeah, great question. I mean, something that's certainly on our minds. Um, you know, doing transformative M&A was, was pretty challenging when multiples were where they were. Um, and we care a lot about deploying our capital efficiently and being disciplined. So as multiples, so as multiples uh, continue to moderate, um, then M&A becomes, uh, becomes much easier for M&A to uh, meet attractive return hurdles. So uh, we're going to be opportunistic here. Um, I think in general we feel pretty um, grateful that our business is stable and resilient and we, you know, we product people need, sustainable business model, healthy balance sheet, a lot of good places to invest. Uh, M&A's, uh, that, that window of opportunity is going to continue opening. Um, that said, we'll continue to be disciplined, but we're happy to be able to play offense where, you know, a lot of uh, other companies are having to pull back. Thank you. Our next question comes from Brent Thiel of Jeffries. Brent Thiel, your line is open. Once again, Brent Thiel, your line is, is open. Maybe what's what's not embedded, if you can just give us a little more color. Thank you. Tim, we hey, Brent, I might have missed half your question. Yeah, we only caught the tail end of that question. Sorry, just um, on the guidance, what is embedded in your guidance and ultimately, you know, what's what's maybe not embedded as it relates to, uh, you know, what, what's in, within the guide? Uh, I mean, you sure. know, are you taking a yeah? Are you taking a uh, a more conservative view than ultimately what you saw this quarter? Uh, same uh, or improving view? Just curious, kind of how how you're thinking through the environment. Yeah, so I'd say that our business does remain resilient in this challenging macro environment. Uh, as we talked about, we're raising our constant currency revenue guidance for the year by about eight million dollars, or about eight point eight percent at the midpoint. As far as what's included, the range does include our mid to high single digit million dollar impact from our discontinued services to Russia. Uh, as far as what's driving the, the raise, we are seeing positive early signals on our pricing and packaging chains thus far, uh, certainly seeing churn rates coming in better than, than we expected. So clearly the pricing has been factored into our guidance. And again, we're seeing continued year over year improvements in retention across many different areas as Drew has alluded to. So we're, we're very positive about many opportunities that are in play, including uh, upsell, cross-sell, new products, new feature adoption, growth areas such as Doxin and Holosign. All of that clearly has been included from a philosophy perspective. We philosophy perspective. We have no material changes from our historical approach, and we continue to guide to what we have a high degree of visibility into. So certainly keeping an eye on things like the macro economy, but to Drew's earlier points, we're seeing strength on that front. All of that, of course, is factored into our guidance. Thank you. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, at this time, that does conclude today's conference. Thank you for your participation. You may disconnect at this time. Have a great day.